Okay. All right. Okay. Cool. <laughs> <All set. laughs> awesome, man. Thanks, thanks so much for making some time for us today, man. We appreciate it so much. Yeah, I love it. You know, it's like we got this nucleus, I feel like, you know, the universe is putting us all together. Dude, 100%. I got chills. Like, that is, that could not be more accurate. Like, yeah. and we'll get into it, but it's crazy how your role, like, without you even knowing, I'm sure there's so many more people like that too, but how your role played a role in our lives. Like, oh man, it, I it, was terrified. It's crazy. Um, terrified but, doing it. And, and so I started, of course, going down the rabbit hole, you know, researching. And I'm like trying to look for positive, like, stories about ayahuasca. But even the positive stories were scary as shit, you know? <laughs> so I was like, oh, my God. And I, I found your documentary. And literally, it's one of the reasons that I was able to, like, say, you know what? I'm doing this. I owe it to myself. Like, let's go. Amazing. Amazing. I'll, I'll uh. I'll go ahead and kick off the podcast here and we'll, we'll get going. Okay. Uh, okay, cool. Welcome everyone to the Magical Stories of Healing and Spiritual Gifts podcast. My name is David Staub. I'm here with my lovely wife, Megan. Hi, everyone. And we uh, could not be more excited uh, to bring on this guest today. Uh, he, I mean, just to go over just a couple of quick things. He's the director, most of our audience will know him from the director and producer of the film Reality of Truth, which is pretty controversial film that ties in spirituality, religion, and psychedelics. Uh, he's traveled the world and led celebrities, thought leaders, and the who's who of business uh, to have life-changing experiences through plant medicine. And what we were just talking about, uh, how we actually came across him before, you know, before Magical, we kicked off this company, Magical, and there's thousands of people online that are just about this movement of healing and plant medicine and destigmatizing all of this stuff and all just jumping aboard. That was kind of a divine vision that was given to us through ayahuasca. But before that, whenever we tried everything so to find a way resistance. to, so much to try and nothing heal her trauma, calling. nothing. We tried writing a book. Like I knew as at a young age that I was going to write a book. Like I knew it. And you know, I kept feeling like it's closer, it's closer, but like there was always something blocking it. Yep. And, and I'd healed so much just through like metaphysics, lots of things, meditation, affirmations, but man, I still had like such deep rooted trauma, you know, that like even that, I, it would have taken 20 more years of me doing what I was doing, you know, oh, like yeah. energy work. Um, yeah. But man, like it changed my life and I'm so stoked that you're here. Yeah. Cause the, the, on our path there, she got really nervous. And one of the absolute, I'll never forget the moment of watching his, watching your film because we were. I, I knew in my heart, I was like, man, I, I'm learning. I know psychedelics. I'm a, I'm a big addict because I've seen how it can heal people. But I feel like ayahuasca is the thing, man. I knew it, but I feel like it is. But she had so much nervousness to it. And watching your film, we were in a hotel because we were traveling. And we're in a hotel. We watched it. And just there was so much emotion. It was so real. And it spoke to our soul. And after. I feel like it had beautiful outcomes. Oh, That's like all I needed. And, I just needed to hear yeah. like, people heal. Yeah. And you know, there's so much wonder in the way you explain things. You're so genuine. And after that, she's like, all right, let's do this. So wow. first and foremost, yeah, and thank you, thank you, thank you. I had done <laughs> yeah. psychedelics too. It's not like I hadn't. Just ayahuasca, as you know, it's, a, it's another level. And it's, it yeah. has to call to you for sure. You know, I, I, I want to tell you guys, I, that when I found out about ayahuasca, I used to get invited by somebody in Topanga Canyon to come and do a full moon ceremony with them. And every <laughs> month, 
I would come up with some excuse. I'd be like, oh, I think I can't do that night, you know, I've got something else. I put the guy off for a year and I just, you know, got to a point in my own life where I was like, I need this for myself, even though I know it's going to be, you know, the unknown and potentially scary. I have to do this. And, and then decided, hey, I'm going to go down to Peru, maybe try to do this like in the ultimate set and setting just so I can, yeah. you know, check that off the list as far as like I did it the right <laughs> yeah. way. And, um, you know, my, my, what's great is, um, you know, when I uh, made the decision to go and do it, I contacted my, you know, uh, my, my co-director and uh, I said, Let, like, let's do this. You know, we will bring some people down. And he's like, all right, amazing. And uh, he was friends with Michelle Rodriguez already. And he said, you know, let's go tell Michelle what we're doing. Maybe she wants to come and went over to her house in Venice, California. And I remember like we sat down and we're shooting the shit and everything. And at the end of the thing, she like slides her passport over, you know, basically gives me her passport. And she's like, yeah, I'm in. Here's my passport. That's awesome. Oh my God. Like, <laughs> this is happening. Anybody give me a passport before. So really? I was, at that point I was in. I was like, it's too late now. So Yeah, man. There's there's man, there's so many things like I love I love everything you're about because there's this I feel like this powerful shift, man. There's this powerful movement right now because people are waking up to this stuff and, and, you know, the stigmas and all that, man, I, I love what you're, what you're leading. One of the things I would love to start out with, because again, it's just a crazy synchronicity. Whenever in my ceremony, um, the last ceremony I had, one of the visions that came to me after her healing was this vision of the Holy Bible and then the vision of plants and like this calling of like, go, like there's some kind of misrepresentation in there. And then I remember coming come back when we were doing our share circle and I was like, in part, cause we were already writing our book, but I was like, no, part of our book has to be about, there's something in the Bible yes. that we need to look at. And we found all of these verses, man. Like with my family, I mean, I was super oh, conditioned, man, so you know? conditioned. And like they think that I'm on this like horrible path. Both of our families <laughs> think we are. Seriously, Both of our families life, think we are. Show, you thought I had it more yes. than now? Like that's crazy. Yeah. And it's they don't get it. They don't know what they don't know. But Yeah. So uh, what I'd love to start out with um so after that we we looked up we started looking up we found like Revelations 22:2 it literally word for word says use the leaves for the healing of the nations. Yeah, dude. Uh, there's Ezekiel forty-seven, twelve. The fruit is for the food, and use the leaves for healing. Like, there's all yeah. these. Things. John twenty nineteen twenty nine thirty. Uh, and I think you mentioned something about this in your documentary. And I want to get to like your take on this stuff because it says a jar full of sour wine stood there. They put the sponge full of the sour wine in a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. Jesus received the sour wine, said it's finished, bowed his head, and gave up his spirit. And there's this constant thing about this that hyssop. And it, it, I don't know if it's really defined, but I guess, uh, and you talk about the manna from heaven in your documentary. How did you first start to discover these synchronicities and what'd you do with them? Well, you know, it's interesting. It's like, I was having my own midlife crisis, you know, of like, what do I do with, you know, my life? You know, what, how do I go deeper into myself? Cause I, I realized that I was happy, but I wasn't like totally fulfilled. I wasn't vibrating at my own frequency and I was just like I have to go there um, I started making that decision that I was going to try to go deeper and as I had that realization it's like that's when things start to occur to you you know as I started to read things and think you know psychedelically then of course as I'm reading this 
you know, the Bible, I'm like, wait a minute, like, this sounds like, like, what is the mana? Like, that's crazy. Right. Like, what, no one asked what that. if, you know, what if, what if, and then as soon as it hit me that that's really probably what it was, then you have this whole thing where you're like, oh my God, like, yes. yeah. what if the whole world's based on the opposite thing? And, yes. Yes. Um, you know, and, and for me, like the craziest thing is that, you know, when I went and did ayahuasca and I had this conversation with God and I realized I was talking to a woman, it's like, now I come back and it's like, every time I, you know, you're on the TV or you hear somebody talking or you see a billboard and it says the father, he, him. And I'm just like, nope, nope. Like it's a she and no wonder everything's out of whack. Like, how do you put a man so high up above a woman when I was with God and it was, let's say at least 50% a woman. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you start a society and all the institutions that come from that based on a, like a fundamental flaw at the bottom of it, <laughs> everything is, is just, you know, it's, it's useless. And I think that's why we're having, you know, all this problems with, you know, men controlling society, <clears throat> all these things that we're watching happening is because at the core, core root, when you're with, and again, it's a direct experience. Cause if I was saying this, you know, years ago to you, you'd be like going, uh, maybe, <laughs> but when you have the direct experience yourself and then you're like, oh yeah, that was God that I was sitting in God consciousness. And now let me realize that when that, you know, fundamental basis of who I am is with me now, you know, you almost feel like you have a secret and you have a kind of strength where it's like, I'm not basing my reality on this flawed interpretation. I now, that's number one. And then if that could be wrong, well, now I have to question absolutely everything. everything. Yes. Oh man. You, I'm so following you. I same page. You said something that was so key too, man. You said based on experience. Like yes. that's the thing. Ah, like yes. we got I got so much shit from like family for because I came back and I'm like We there's, mentioned Mother there's, Earth. I, I said Mother Earth because I remember them yeah. saying Mother oh, Earth man, is real. Like and she's alive. And it might have been the same thing you're talking about in that sense, but it was this feminine and yeah. she's alive and she needs to heal and all this. And I came back and I said the words Mother Earth. And man, you would have thought I demonized religion. I got so much crap from family that are still like, but it's based off of experience. People have, there's nothing wrong with theories. And I'm not, right. everyone yeah. can have their it's own like, beliefs. You believe a certain way because you were conditioned to believe that way. I experienced it. Like, talk yeah. to the hands. Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I love that you said that because you said that's based on the foundation. If the foundation's wrong, what else is wrong? Right. Yeah. Um, I want to tell you like my, my macro sort of thing that I've kind of come to terms with in my own mind is that, um, you know, I think what's happening right now in the problems of society and individually, the problems that everybody's having, myself included, is I think we're lacking a certain amount of empathy. And empathy to me means something different than having compassion for people, having, you know, concern for other people, those are at a surface level. And 
what happens is I've noticed that the only time I've ever seen somebody get instantly more empathy is when they have a near-death experience or they have some major breakthrough with a catalyst like ayahuasca or San Pedro or Ibogaine where it breaks them through. They come out with a new amount of empathy. And what I mean by empathy is like they've actually had the direct experience of being in that other person's shoe, feeling what it feels like to be somebody else. And when you feel that, now you have empathy. And if we could, as a group here, and I'm talking to everybody watching and you guys and everybody, if we can get a critical mass of people yes. to go inside their minds, trust nature, and not take it too seriously, but if we can have them go in with that approach, they're going to come out with elevated empathy. And if we get enough people, we could solve any problem really easily. You know, violence, eco-destruction, mm -hmm. inequality, all this. Yep. A group of people with empathy could fix that no matter what the problem was. Oh, so, that's so like, awesome. Yeah. That feels like the goal. because yeah. And again, you can talk about it. You can, you know, philosophize. You can train somebody this is the way but until you have that direct experience like you guys had it's impossible to actually put yourself in somebody else's shoes right and i think you know these days a lot of times like I, you know prior and so forth i would i'd want to care you know i'm like oh i see some story about you know homelessness and i'm like oh i really care this, what do i do and then my phone rings and i'm like oh yeah okay oh yeah come over here right and so I'm sympathizing, but my empathy with the with these catalysts, we have the chance to burst somebody through and leave them just with empathy to be able to put themselves in other people's shoes. So I love that, man. Perfect. I, and I, and I, we gotta trust nature. I think that's the key. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and we're getting to a point now where you know, of course, there's people that stigmatize it and demonize like the psychedelics, but it's getting to a point now where so many people are so sick, are so depressed, are not finding their answers in society and external things. Like, I mean, like yeah. I had gone, well, obviously conventional medicine didn't work, but like no medicine worked, you know, really? I mean, for yeah. like 30 years, I tried everything. Yep. And then going back to the beginning, I don't even think I ever made my point, you know, but you know, the reason why I had so many blockages is because I still needed to heal. Like magical could not take off until Megan healed herself. Yep. You yes. know, yep. it's a powerful medicine. It's amazing. It really is. And, um, you know, I think like what happened, I don't know if you, you know, you had, you want to take this in a certain direction, but I'd love to tell you what happened after I came back from. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was really cool. You know, I came back and I faced exactly what you guys faced, which is I started telling everybody, oh my God, you got to go sit with a shaman. That was my oh, next question was the feedback. No, that's uh, it. That was my next I question. Love it. <laughs> so, um, you know, I came back and I told people and the people that needed it the most, when I would tell them, they'd be like, oh, Zappy, I don't, I can't do that. You know, yeah. my, my family, they'll like put me in a mental institution if I Judgment. tell them I'm going out of the jungle, yeah. you know? So I was like, oh God, you know, let me, let me try to find, you know, some way, some approach. And I wound up, to, uh, wind up doing Ibogaine uh, a little bit after that. I kind of, you know, just was like, I couldn't understand, again, direct experience, but I couldn't understand 
how ibogaine could break a heroin addiction or a meth addiction in 12 hours. It just, it didn't make sense. So I was like, I gotta try this. And, you know, in the plant medicine world, you have ayahuasca's the mother, San Pedro's the father, and ibogaine's the grandfather. And of course I realized when I did it, that this was like the angry grandfather there to show you exactly what you want to see, but in a way like, not like ayahuasca, like giving you a hug and it's okay. It's like, oh, you want to see why you're messed up? Here you go. You know, kick you right out into that. So, um, I had a great experience when I did it. Uh, it was totally life-changing. Like everything else, it comes down to the surrender. You know, so in ayahuasca, as you guys know, you know, if you don't surrender, you're going to get twice as much. And then you don't surrender to that, you're going to get twice. And so the the ibogaine left you in like the ultimate surrender. It had showed you, you know, who you are, all your mistakes, uh, the things that, you know, put you in the shoes of the people that maybe you wronged. And then it left you in this point where you're just like, oh, my God. I went insane. I'm insane. I, I can't even eat, you know, some jello. I'm going to have to be spoon fed and I can't communicate with my kids. And oh my God. And right in that moment, you're about, you want to panic, you know? But as soon as you surrender to, okay, I messed up, I'm damaged goods, boom, you start rolling straight through into that, you know, ibogaine glow where you're just like, oh, wow, I feel so good, you know? And it comes down to that, you know, surrender, which Mm -hmm. is a critical piece Mm -hmm. of any of these things. So I I did that and I came back and I still was telling people, you got to sit with a shaman. And they were like, nah, not happening. And so I I said, you know, kind of like, give me a sign, like what's a Western medicine approach that people could could accept this and that's when I found about four years ago or three and a half years ago uh ketamine and ketamine you know when I first started researching people were like oh that's synthetic drugs you know? <laughs> of course of course you know, let me keep investigating and it turns out condition belief condition belief <laughs> yeah so even my plant medicine friends were like ah Zabby don't talk about ketamine it's about plant medicine I was like right. well I think it's about going inside you right. know, and, and that's what it's about. So as I investigate, I realized this ketamine is a crystal. It's basically, they put some salts and minerals and things together and they form this ketamine crystals. And so they take that crystal and that's what ketamine is. So it's like, wow, you know, it's almost like the shaman has to take the, the vine and the leaf and put it together and make the ayahuasca in, with intent. And here you have to put these salts and things together to make the ketamine, but it's a natural thing that exists in, you know, organically. So as I thought about that, I was like, wow, you know, this is a crystal, it's FDA approved. You can do it at a doctor's office and, you know, a crystal, it's like clean, clean. There's no legacy, even, you know, with the plants, you might have some legacy of, you know, where the plant grew, who harvested it, who, who prepared it. But the ketamine, it's so clean. And then I know you could put positive energy on that if you wanted to. So I basically, you know, convinced a doctor in Florida, you know, that to give me the ketamine. <laughs> and, uh, and it was, it was eye-opening because it was like, it was almost like a 45-minute ayahuasca experience or a deep plant medicine wow. type experience. 
but very clinical, the same each time, 45 minutes. And then 15 minutes later, you walk out, you go get a smoothie. You're <laughs> totally good. Wow. And I was like, I was like, wow, this is what Western society can handle is to go into a Western doctor's office, get a medication that's FDA approved, you know, and, and that's the way it's going to go. And, and so what happened is I started to sit with a lot of people. I was like the, you know, the, the, the person who sat with the people, the doctor would give the medicine and stuff, but I would sit and I would watch all these people in these, you know, horrific conditions, suicidal, uh, depression, addiction. And the, the change was so dramatic in the first one that I was like, wow, oh, this gosh. is probably like the gateway to plant medicine. Wow, yeah. I get society. that. Yep. Yep. And so the last three and a half years, I've really been advocating for ketamine. I've really been, you know, just pushing people to try it and have the direct experience because you know, a lot of people use it recreationally in clubs and that kind of thing. And people go, isn't that a horse tranquilizer? And they're like, <laughs> yeah, it is. You can tranquilize a horse with it. Uh, just like, you know, oral surgeons, ketamine is the number one anesthetic used by oral surgeons on children because it's very, very safe. It works quickly and it doesn't affect your breathing. So yeah, you can, you can knock out a human with it. You can knock out an animal, but they figured out that in a low dose, what happened was in uh, like Vietnam time uh, during the war, they would on the battlefield, they'd have to uh, amputate somebody's arms and they would give them ketamine, they'd do the surgery. And then the next day they're back at the infirmary and the guy like cracks a joke. And everybody was Whoa. like, wait a minute, like this guy hasn't cracked a joke in, you know, two years and he just got his arms cut off. Like what's going on here? Whoa. So they. Yeah, they, they did a uh, very deep look at Yale University, a study, and they realized that in a high dose, it's an anesthetic, but in a low dose, you can actually, you know, it's going to put you into this present moment awareness. And, wow. and by that, I mean, direct experience, you're going to have no future and no past, just the mm -hmm. present moment. And in that state, you know, you could live a thousand lifetimes in that 45 minutes. And then, uh, wow. you know, you, you come out of that and the science on it is incredible. Um, the science says that a lot, you have this area of your brain that's called your default mode network. And it, you have a part of that that's called your lateral habanula. And it records all the stress that you've ever had in your life. It just keeps taking it in and when it gets to a tipping point it goes into burst mode and when it goes in burst mode it shuts off all your dopamine production so you're getting no dopamine you're totally miserable you have no motivation to do anything and the first time you do ketamine it wipes that and takes it out of burst wow mode. whoa yeah. that's game changing it's all right i'm definitely like, doing this yeah it's like the the published results from Yale University are like 75% effective, which is in medicine is unheard of. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of it, uh, the beginning has to do with that, you know, taking it out of burst mode. But when the ketamine metabolizes in the hours after the treatment, it actually is shown to be building neural pathways mm -hmm. around trauma and depression. And you may have inherited, yeah, inherited pathways trauma created pathways you just keep 
you know, cycling everything through that negative pattern, you know? So the ketamine, you know, basically builds map pathways around that. And so you come out and you're just like, you know, wow, like you have this realization that all the things that happened to you, you look at them from like a third person perspective and you're just like, well, yeah, that happened, but like, that's not me. I'm me. And then you come out, you get that metabolization and then, you know, basically there isn't the same electrical charge on that thing. So now you start to think about it. And uh, somebody was telling me just at breakfast this morning that they saw a video that their friend did a two minute video where they had brought their brother into a ketamine clinic because the brother had been involved in a car accident and his girlfriend had died in the car accident. And he just, you know, obviously he was having a horrible time trying to get through that. He said he did the ketamine and during the ketamine, he was like, oh, wow. I just realized this. it wasn't my fault. Oh like, my yeah. gosh. Yeah. And he came <sighs> out, life changed, first treatment. And, you know, the, the protocol that Yale came up with is you do six treatments over two weeks. If you have treatment resistant depression that nothing else has worked for, it's going to be 75% effective for those people. If you're somebody like, ourselves that maybe has some trauma in their background or some situational anxiety or something like that that's you know really affecting your life one two a few treatments of ketamine you may just you know take all of those charges off of those things and you're just like okay i'm good so it's really incredible so i I started to advocate, you know, and ketamine and, you know, we've given it uh, with the doctors, we've given it to people with, um, you know, uh, schizophrenia, which usually a lot of times they're like, don't give any. Right, right, right. And and there's even some contra, you know, indications that that may be wrong. It may be just, you know, anecdotally wrong, but we've given ketamine to people who uh, had, have schizophrenia they later went and did ayahuasca and and ibogaine and have you know years later they're they're still doing great and they're very positive um actually the the person with the schizophrenia said that when they did the ketamine you know you're in such a place of um you know of of present momentness that he said he was able to call some of those personalities forward into almost like a group session within and be able to say to them hey you know what you don't have to get so reactive when this happens now because you know it's not true we're not going to die if we talk about what happened Uh, you don't need to react this way personality number three you know and so it was almost like you know and you just think about you know we have this opportunity right now with these catalysts where as more and more of us come together as the nucleus and we say hey let's just keep trying to get as many people as possible to get into you know real present moment awareness be that you know ayahuasca ibogaine san pedro ketamine let's bring them in there uh, psilocybin let's get them to the right space for what they need and you know we can undo any damage and really you know give them that direct experience of you know, basically vibrating at their own frequency is how I kind of describe the ketamine. You know, when you do it, you feel this frequency vibration of the ketamine and it's so, you know, amazing. And then you realize that it's kind of like aligning your frequency back to your, you know, 
two-year-old frequency before people started telling you what to do and how yeah. to do all that. And boom, you're back there and you're like, wow, you know what? And that, then people start saying something like, you know, whether it's negative or, uh, you know, unfounded or whatever. And you're just like, well, you know what? That doesn't really resonate with me. So I'm okay. Yeah, you're right. Really, you're going now on frequency as opposed to, you know, what you're seeing and your, you know, your five senses. It's really pretty amazing that we are sitting here, you know, in this time where, you know, it, it feels like everybody knows about ayahuasca. I know. It's, it's scary how few people still know. I know, so, but it does feel that way. It does. Because we were surrounded, because you attract that tribe and that group when you're into it. So yeah, we're like, I guess yeah, everyone should is. know about it. Everyone either demonizes it or thinks it's the best, next best thing. Like, but not so many people still that have just no the idea. other day, someone yeah. asked me, and I was like, oh, I, they're like, what's your podcast about? And I like said it like, like everyone knows. And they're like, I could tell they had no idea what <laughs> I was plant talking medicine, about. said plant medicine. I was like, oh, so weed, right? And I'm like, your mission is to to seven, stop su uh, suicide 75%, right? That's your mission right yeah. now? Yes. Um, yeah. And this is amazing because we could do this just with ketamine. I mean, you know, we're ultimately you have to add some things on, on the back end of that because ketamine is great to triage somebody, stabilize them. But ultimately, you know, if they need, you know, if they have addiction profile, maybe they need ibogaine. If they are disconnected from nature, maybe they need San Pedro, you know, uh, whatever it is, they might need that. And then they've got to have some kind of a daily practice, whether it's meditation, uh, breathing, something that brings them back to that experience. And what I've noticed is after you do these master healing plants or ketamine, you have these pathways where when you do sit down and meditate and you close your eyes and you start going inside, you can kind of see a pathway and go down it wow. and you have those so it's once you do it i think meditation and things become that much easier um but you know the reason i say 75 percent, those aren't my numbers those are coming from the top ketamine doctors in the world who've done you know more than ten thousand treatments to people and they're saying that 75% of people out of the 122 people a day that kill themselves in the United States every day, that 90 of those people would not do it if they had Jeez, ketamine. That's hard and to even fathom. I, I know. Well, the reason, the reason that that happens is number one, you go into present moment awareness where most people have never been. And right. that's in itself is life changing. But when you are in there, the tech, the ketamine, and again, this is, the hardest thing to realize about even the ayahuasca and the ibogaine is, you know, they seem like these ancient plants and these just, you know, plants, but the, t the energy intelligence is so high that it's capable of so much. And with the ketamine, the technology is, you know, very, very advanced. So when somebody's sitting there, even though I've had people come in, you know, with bandages on their wrists where they actively tried to kill themselves, they come in. They do the ketamine treatment, and when they're in there, it basically opens up like instead of two options, like I keep doing the same thing or I kill myself. Those are my only options. That's all I see. When you're in the ketamine, all of a sudden, there's like 12 options, and you start to go, oh, wow, you know what? I kind of like that, and if I did do that, it could lead to that, and it's not a big deal, this thing, that, and boom, now you come out. You've seen all these options. Set. You're not trapped. 
You're not trapped. Because that's where the, that's where the mind, the human mind gets the scary thing is when people feel trapped. Like right. there's no answer. Yes. Wow. So it's it's remarkable and and so uh, 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 my partner in the uh, Lamar Odom movie that I want to tell you a little bit about. Yeah. Uh, Warren, Warren Gumpel and I we started something called the Ketamine Fund, and basically the Ketamine Fund is basically ideally meant to anytime somebody says they're having a suicidal thought we want them to be able to get a ketamine treatment within you know 24 hours in their area uh paid for by the ketamine fund yeah and so as we tried to prove that out that that was worth doing we said hey how about you know veterans who have ptsd these guys deserve healing and they're not getting it how about we focus ourselves, our, our mini clinical trial with ketamine on veterans and give out enough free treatments to watch their progress, chart their progress, and come up with some kind of a observational reality that we can show to people. Because you know, right now, we're living in this time of observational reality where you know, in, if I do a clinical study at Harvard Medical School and I spend $100 million and I give you that study, you might go, ah, it doesn't mean that much to me. But if I show you Lamar Odom going through a psychedelic intervention, transformation, conscious transformation, somebody sees that and they go, oh, that I accept. <laughs> right, so, right, you know, that's so true. <laughs> so we wanted to have that kind of observational reality for um for ketamine and for ibogaine. And so uh, we've been doing that with veterans. The, the results are incredible. People, you know, coming off of 20 medications from the VA down to zero, just doing ketamine boosters, wow. you know, on a monthly basis. Um, and then the ibogaine, because, um, you know, what happened was, uh, was actually that I was showing the Reality of Truth movie in, uh, in Florida. And after the screening, I was doing a Q&A and a guy came up to me and he's like, hey, I'm friends with Lamar Odom. And, you know, he's in a kind of bad place right now. I just saw your plant medicine doc. You know, do you think you, you know, you could give him some plant medicine? And I was like, well, you know, let me talk to him, you know, bring him, bring him to me. I'll talk to him about it. And he came and I said, look, you know, I have relationships with these ketamine clinics. And why don't you come with Warren and I and do a ketamine treatment? And, uh you know, you've always, you know, been a, you know, a champion in basketball and the Kardashians and everything like that. You've been, you know, looking for answers outside of yourself and you've never had the chance to go inside. Yeah. And so, you know, Lamar was like, yeah, that makes sense. You know, I've always, he had always been told to stay away from psychedelics because you could go crazy. And, you know, there's a lot of kind of, you know, racial inequality even in psychedelics because if a white kid has a freak out on lsd or something you know they're going to go see a therapist their whole community is going to be like hey we're behind you you know right but if you're an african-american person you do it and you have a bad experience you know you could get shot you could be put in a mental institution forever mm, right so yep. you've been told like just don't do that you know right and so right. he resisted it and uh so I said, come do the ketamine, I'll, we'll guide you and we'll film it. And, you know, maybe we could share this in some way. And so he came and it was awesome because he went inside and you see in the movies like, wow, you know, he's like 
I just never felt so good in my whole wow. life. Wow. Wow. I'm ready to like do this. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, he, That's amazing. My God. Yeah. And after, so I gave him a series of these and we filmed it, the ketamine. And he got to a place where he was like really, you know, in a good, good place. He was stable. And so I said, look, Lamar, you have an addiction profile. You're an African-American guy. There's an African-American root, an African root called Iboga. And you're probably culturally supposed to be having some of this. You've just been cut <laughs> off from it. Yeah. So let's, let's go down to Mexico. I'll guide you. Oh, so cool, man. That's awesome. Yeah. So he came down there and he did the Ibo game with the doctor and, uh, it was incredible. He had a transformation because the ibogaine does like a physical reboot on you and a mental reboot. And so he had this incredible mental experience of, you know, his, he's had a lot of trauma. His mother died of cancer when she, when he was 12 years old, his grandmother passed away. Mm. He had a son, six months old who died, oh, um, oh. you know, all this trauma and right. death. And so he, he went in there and he actually, you'll see in the movie, he saw his son grow, Oof. the one who passed away. Oh, gosh, chills. Uh, he got to hear his mom's voice he hadn't heard in, you know, decades. Oh. Um, he had an experience where in his scariest moment, Kobe Bryant, you know, and came to him and he, he like manned up in that moment and was like, no, you know what? This is like Kobe Bryant fourth quarter, like, I got this. I'm going to ride wow. it out. Wow. And um, so he had that great experience. And then it does this physical reboot. And when he had his coma and uh, what he had happened, um, you know, in the coma, he had 12 strokes, six heart mm. attacks, kidney damage, liver failure. Like the guy, these doctors in the movies, like he probably, we didn't think he was realistically going to ever be the same. Right. Just not, never mind play basketball, but it just right. walk right, right. now. And so on the 36 hours after he had the eyeball game, we were driving back to LA in the van from Mexico and he's sitting there and he goes, you know what? He goes, I feel so good me mentally and physically. He's like, I think I can make a comeback in professional basketball. Shut and up. Like, what? what? Yeah. And his trainer, uh, his bodyguard trainer was with us and they got in the van and he's like, uh, Lamar, take it easy, dude. You know, you got to <laughs> You know, you have to work out four hours a day. You have to, you can't be smoking weed. And Lamar's like, I know what I got to do. I'm doing it. And we're all like, wow, okay, whatever. Whoa. You know, that's, that's major. And four months later, he played in a professional tournament in Dubai. Dude, uh, amazing. Oh know, my gosh. He brought, and you know, just one time, right? Just one yeah, time. One Ibogaine. Immediately after, you know, and the thing about the Ibogaine is like, the net, you know, a day and a half later, you, you're all of a sudden you feel amazing. And then the next day you feel even better. The next day better and better. It just keeps going. And you're just like, wow, like, could this be real? Um, and so he, he was able to have that rocky experience of making his own comeback. And he says in the movie, you know, like, I almost died. You know, I lost my fear of death now. Like, who cares? Maybe I'm not the player that I was, but like, I shouldn't even be here. So I'm not going to be scared. I'm just going to go for it. And uh, he wound up reconnecting with his ex-wife and his kids oh. in a much deeper way. He brought his father, who's been on methadone for years, uh, brought him to do ketamine treatments in New York. Oh. And so it's just really been... Ready, man. It's spreading. 
I yeah. love that. So I, what I'm hoping is this can be, you know, what, what reality of truth was for San Pedro and Ayahuasca, that this Lamar movie can be for ketamine and ibogaine. And, and when's it getting released? So we're discussing it right now with uh, all the networks where we're going to distribute it. Nice. The movie's finished as of a couple weeks ago. So we're just having these conversations. And the executive producer, uh, to him, uh, Jeff Beecher, who's a legendary, famous guy, Beecher's Madhouse. Okay. He's, you know, an incredible, um, just he's the most dialed in person in, in Hollywood and in, you know, society as it relates to, you know, bringing opportunities out um and another guy named jason berg who's an amazing film maker and he helped us to you know kind of craft it into the uh, an amazing you know piece of material and now we're going to go out as a group and jeff beecher is going to go out and you know basically you know have all of these people that he has access to you know look at this and as they see it and i think like everybody and they go wow you know what Lamar, that is so cool that you would open yourself up this open and allow, you know, them to film it and share this. And so what I'm really looking forward to is, you know, when the movie comes out, let's say it's streaming in the next, you know, month, two months, whatnot, that people are going to come up to Lamar and say, hey, you know what? You saved my brother's life or yeah. you saved this person's life. Because oh, of, of course it will. Absolutely, yeah. that's like going to happen. Done. <laughs> like, you are literally like, the concept of putting that out. There is without a doubt it's going to save lives. Like, it's just it's just going to. Like, it's going to yeah. open people's minds up, especially the day and age right now. That is amazing, man. Yes. We've, we've gotten I'm so excited. He, I'm really lucky. You know, he's an incredible subject because he's kind of like Michelle Rodriguez, where He's his own independent thinker. Yeah. He's very intelligent. He's funny, knows how to communicate. And he's not under the, you know, wing you know, or under the under the thumb of, you know, the Hollywood establishment where they go, oh, yeah. don't, don't get filmed doing that. Don't put anything out. He was yep. like, just yeah. like Michelle, he was like beyond that. He was like, Well, I have to do this oh. for myself. So oh, yes. I'm okay with it. Yeah. So he's he's just fantastic. And I think he's going to be kind of the poster child for talking about mental health and the fact that, you know, even if you're, you know, having all the success in the world, you can still have anxiety and depression and you have to dive inside if you want to really, you know, get to some place that's going to, you know, change your whole world and, you know, that you could live your life differently going forward. So that's awesome. Yeah. All, all those are within, man. That is awesome. Yeah. We've, uh, on our podcast, we launched it, you know, we interview people from all over the world that have had incredible healing experiences and we've had multiple come up that have not only healed from Iboga and Ibogaine, but now they've like opened a facility that does yeah. it. Someone in Mexico, someone in Canada. Someone healed over like 35 years of bulimia. 35 years of bulimia. Yeah. Wow. No, this yes. lady's Karen was amazing. Like eating disorders, it's healed because it resets the brain. Like yes. it's amazing. And addiction, like, you know, there's so many. And the yeah. fact that it can do it in one like session with it, that is incredible. It's incredible. You know, what's really amazing is they even say that like, you know, a flood dose of ibogaine is like over one gram, over a thousand milligrams. But if you do, um, they say a, a microdose, okay, mm-hmm. so like maybe 10 milligrams a day, that it's uh, anecdotally being shown to reverse Parkinson's disease. Wow. Yeah. 
I have so, never and who heard knows that. what else? Yeah. So oh. we have to, you know, we got to be open to studying these things. And I think yes. that's like the renaissance of, of psychedelics is that, you know, these plants and these catalysts are going to be studied. Yeah. And, you know, of course, just like a peanut allergy, there's like 2,500 people a year that die of a peanut allergy. Yeah. We have to be better at screening that stuff out. And I'm sure it's the same thing. If anyone ever were to have a problem with these plants, they obviously probably could have been screened out. We just have been in this, you know, taboo subject area where it couldn't be studied and we couldn't figure out what the doses that you need, what, you know, the safety profiles are. But, you know, at the end of the day, these things are so safe that, um, you know, again, nobody's really ever died of ayahuasca or any of these right. things. Just, just, you know, they maybe they shoot heroin in the bathroom and then they go in and do the ayahuasca. Right. Well, oh, like, of course you're going to die, you know? Right, right. The, the, the thing itself is, is not, it's, first of all, it's, it's not dangerous, but secondly, it's also, uh, as long as you do it in the right set and setting with the right people and you're in the right. Oh yeah. Yeah, for you're sure. Gonna, you're going to be fine. And, what I even love about ketamine, probably most, is uh, the safety profile and is very high, and it kind of needs the least amount of integration. Interesting. So when you, yeah, when you do ayahuasca, it's like so great to have people to help integrate you and mm -hmm. spend the time and you know work with all types of you know different people with uh, experience. The ketamine, it's kind of like it's such a direct experience that you yourself can kind of work through these things and now you don't have these electrical charges on them so you're just kind of like well i think i just integrated that experience yeah. which is like wow you're opening our eyes to ketamine i've heard yeah. about it but this is i love this because I'm, I'm learning because i've so only seen it back in the day when i went to festivals all the time and lived that life you know and and yeah yeah i didn't never think of it as like uh, medicinally you know? i know and it's that's amazing and I read somewhere you wrote a letter to Donald Trump trying to legalize Ibogaine. Is that correct? Can you tell us yeah. about that? Yeah, that was, I, it was like a great moment where I just saw this moment. That's so cool. Time. Who does that? That's so cool. <laughs> no, it's, you know, I like, I like seizing on moments, you know, like I one time did a Super Bowl ad during the 2000 Super Bowl for a company that I had. And I just, you know, saw that as a moment where everybody's consciousness was tuned in. Oh, Everybody was nice. watching you know, commercials in a positive way. So it's different than spending money on just regular commercials. So uh, the basically right when Donald Trump got inaugurated, the following Saturday from when he got inaugurated, I, with some other nonprofit people, I said, let's write a letter to Trump. Let's ask him to make the opiate epidemic a first hundred day uh, initiative. And non-political, you know, it's just, hey, we have an epidemic. We're asking you to make this a top 100, uh, you know, important issue, first 100 days. And in that letter, just basically spelled out how ketamine is being used, some of the cases in which it's used, ibogaine and how that's being used. And just, again, it was more like, it wasn't blaming anybody. It wasn't saying, hey, why aren't you doing this? It's more like an acknowledgement that, hey, even doctors don't know. Even people who own treatment centers, traditional treatment centers, don't know. So why, I'm not going to get all mad about it. I'm just going to try to educate, educate. And, 
you know, the idea was that when he was inaugurated right then, we knew that he read the New York Times, the New York Post, and the Washington Post every day. He was consuming those. Yeah. So we knew that, you know, he was going to see this letter. And uh, we were lucky enough that, you know, they appreciated what we were doing. They printed it on the back page of Section okay. 1. So nice. everybody would see it. And, uh, you know, had you, you never know you know, where the connection point's going to be. Um, you know, I, a while later, I was uh, at an event and Katie Couric was there and I was talking to her and she's like, oh my God, I just realized you're the guy that put that, you know, ad in the New York Times. Like I read that ah, that day. That's you awesome. Know? And, wow. You know, and so you don't really know where the, you know, these puzzle pieces are going to get slipped together. But I think it's just like, our responsibility, mine, your guys, to do like what you're doing, which is not just to have the conversation with each other and your friends, but you're like bringing this camera, this podcast into your house to share it. And that basically to me means that, you know, you're going to get that much more for yourself because right. you're, you're sharing it out like this, but it's almost like a responsibility to say, Hey, once you have this information, you can't really assume other people have it you can't assume that it's being you know there's a conspiracy to keep it down it just right. really may be that we've been told a certain thing that maybe made sense a long time ago like you know i'm sure back in the 60s uh you know when psychedelics started to happen of course vietnam war and all that the government wasn't very happy about people free thinking all the time but at the same time they said well you know what we don't know what this is going to do Money cut out here, let me see. Came back to it. They just, you know, realized that it was better for the, you know, uh, whatever, the, you know, military industrial complex to uh, exist as it is and not have a lot of people, you know, questioning what's going on. Yeah. They decided to, uh, you know, just they never dealt with it. And so here we are getting the direct experience. You guys are getting direct experience. And now we share that out yeah. and, you know, you guys basically probably know more, you know, than 98% of the population. So well, we feel like, I mean, it's like, a, this is like on the path of our purpose, 100 you know, like everything changed, everything changed. Everything. It's a hundred percent. And like, purpose. we want to yeah. study the plants. We want to know all the plants, you know, like, like how you do, you know, I want to try them all. And yeah, I mean, we just feel truly called to go down this road. You yeah. Know? It was crazy. In my ceremony, I remember going up and uh, I was talking to this divine being and it was, it was, I thought, I assumed it was mother ayahuasca, but it was very feminine. It was very feminine. Yep. It was like, what do you want? And all I wanted was her healing. And I was like, all I want is my wife's healing. And then I remember it shifted, looked over, and it was like, it'll happen. But with that comes a responsibility. And that's wow. when it was like, take this information. Like, Mother Earth needs healing. People need healing. And I got, it was just like, it just shot me back. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And yeah. that's whenever, like, within a week after leaving, we started the group. And it just, it, it wow. like, blew divi up divinely blew up overnight. Like, it was 3K crazy. people in, like, three months. So, like, yeah. like it, was it just nuts. blew up. And, like, now I have meditations that I've, like, recorded on YouTube. Funny. I never yeah. thought I would have done that, never. like, yeah. ever. Yeah. There's, I mean, so, there's definitely a, a power 
at, at work right now that is connecting the pieces to like help everyone ascend and heal and yeah. find like love within themselves and all of this awesome stuff. Because people need to know that they can heal. Mm -hmm. They just need some facilitating, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, yes. and then there's this, there's this, you know what I love about too, it, it's brought this sacredness, you know, with psychedelics, I get it. Some people can use it however you want. And, but yeah. there is absolutely this sacredness to plant medicine and psychedelics and yeah. like these, these medicines, like ketamine, like there's this sacredness to like well, going with shrooms it. now. And, like, and shrooms back in and, college, I didn't look at it like that, but yeah. now I do. Now yeah. it's very, it's, I use it's, it a totally different way. I set it's, an intention. It's and, ceremonial. Yeah. It's like yeah. a ceremony with an intention and a surrender of like, yeah. and, well, although ayahuasca gave me no other option but to surrender. Yeah. yeah. Ooh <laughs> That's a great segue, like to talk about psilocybin, because I think, you know, for me, um, I'm involved with some people that are, you know, I believe are created an incredible microdose product, the way that they Ooh. grow it, the way that they stack it, the way that the consciousness of the company. And I really believe that the psilocybin microdose will replace all antidepressants. Shut up. That's amazing. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. It's, yeah. It is. And, and I say that because when I microdose and I have this experience where I'm really, really clear, I have a lot of energy. I have like a little bit of an under, you know, vibration of like positive joy energy. And yeah. I'm just, every time I do it, I'm like, you know what? I'll bet this is what people want to feel like when they take an antidepressant. Yes. This is it. Yes. So, yeah. There's so many studies that those antidepressants, a lot of them, it's it's crazy. The like that, that's a whole other entire yeah. side effects, but also some of them, it's like there is much of a sugar pill. Like you know, yeah. it's, it's crazy. It, it doesn't get to the root problem anyway, so it's right. just nonsense. Right, right. It doesn't. And, yeah. and I think like you really hit it on the on the head. Is like you know when you're younger and you're doing some of these things, and you know it's recreational, it's exploration, that kind of thing. You know that's I have no problem with that. But you know I think when you get older and as this society's gotten more you know, accelerated into some negative uh, situations that we find ourselves. Well, now you're like, okay, could I use this for my own spiritual well-being, my own right. vibration, my own, you know, myself? And so, you know, that's why I think these things, when you do use them in that sort of sacred way, and like my advice when I tell people, you know, people call me up and they're like, hey, I'm doing an ayahuasca, my first one, or I'm doing this big journey you know, what's your advice? And my advice is always the same. It's just, you know, go into it with the intent of just expanding your consciousness rather than let's say, hey, I want an answer to this or I need to yeah. know why or what am I supposed to be doing? Just let that go. Just go with, I want to expand my consciousness. So that way you're going to definitely have a good experience. And then secondly, I always remind him the quote from the Maharishi and he said, we have the serious responsibility to take nothing serious. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and I think you guys, I'm sure know in the ayahuasca that, you know, how you react to things within there is how, you know, it goes. And so <laughs> when you're, you know, when you're not reactive, you know, especially like in the game where there's a shaman who's there with you and he's even walking you through, you can, you know, talk to him about what's happening in the trip and ask him questions. You know, it might be like, wow. you know, you're walking down the road and you see a, a building and somebody's like, hey, come in the building. And you say to the shaman, hey, 
somebody's trying to get me to go into this building. Should I go in there? And the shaman's like, well, what kind of building is it? And you're like, I, I don't know, like government? And he's like, no, too much pressure. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, you have like these, um, you know, just incredible um, experience that are, that have to be experienced to be understood. And I had a few of those in the Ibogaine that are just, you know, that when I tell people, they're just like, that it's not even possible. But I, in my direct experience, it was, exactly. it was real. Yeah. That's the next one we got to try. Yeah. That's it. For yeah. Sure. yeah. We've done a few podcasts with people that have, yeah. that facilitate Iboga. So that's awesome. Yeah. And the Iboga, you know, it's like I said, it's, it's, you know, my friends were doing it the night after me and they were like, Oh, how was that? I was like, don't do it. <laughs> Absolutely don't do it. You know, I was, I was dead serious because I was still sort of, you know, in there. But, you know, the next day I was like, wow, you know what? Like I, this was incredible, but it's, it's one of those things where, you know, if you have an addiction, you know, absolutely get in the right set and setting and go do it. And, um, you know, I, I just want to tell you one thing, just because I'm thinking about the reality of truth. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I had this incredible experience with Joel Osteen, the preacher, uh, who's in the reality of truth, yep. who says, I remember that scene. <sighs> yeah. It blew my mind when he was saying it to me, but what was really cool was some advice that he gave me after. And he said, you know, and this has stuck with me every day since then. He said, um, you know, you're, you have to think about, you're obviously passionate about, you know, psychedelics and what they can do for society. He's like, you're going to have to do what I do, which is that, you know, I'm a Christian and I even have Christians that don't like me. They don't think I'm telling people that they're going to go to hell or not. I know. Yeah. He's like, you know, we're all Christians and they don't like me. He's like, so you have to just get set in your mind. Like I did where you, he said, you have 25% of the people. They love you no matter what you do. They love you. Then you have 25% of the people. They hate you no matter what you do. (laughs) If you cure cancer, they're going to say, you know, you're putting cancer doctors out of business. Right. And, but he's like, you got this 50% in the middle that you could affect and bring over and create your critical mass that you're trying to get to. So just ignore the people who love you, ignore the people who hate you and just focus on that middle. And yeah. see, so good. you know, that middle to me is like young people, you know, who haven't been as jaded and haven't seen these things. And if we can go towards young people and bring them this message and bring them over to our side, we don't need to worry about these 25%. They'll come over by osmosis. But yeah. it really, it was so cool. Cause right when Joel said that, I like hugged the guy. I was like, thank you. Because I'd always like, whenever I'd go on a rant, people would be like, oh yeah, good luck getting so-and-so to do it. And I'd be like, right. no, but blah, blah, blah. And then I realized like, I don't need them to do it. I'm right. not even focused on them. I just right. want to talk to the people who could get it. such great advice man because it's been crazy we're uh you know we're still establishing ourselves and growing with our company magical but it's all about you know healing and a lot of it's about that plant medicine and already getting you know those haters those negative people it's like oh man like and and you that's such incredible advice because you know what's been beautiful is after ayahuasca i don't give a shit what other people think so it (laughs) doesn't matter it does not matter yeah, so that is awesome. So true. Hundred <laughs> percent. So cool. What what are what are awakeneurs? 
Um, so Awakeners is something that uh, came together through Rhythmia and okay. a relationship that they have with okay. Foster Gamble. Um, you know, it's basically trying to find people who have the consciousness of plant medicine, but okay. want to do something entrepreneurially with it. And they uh, kind of okay. to find ideas and concepts from people that are already consciously tuned in. So that's gotcha. like an, an interesting uh, place to be because I think, you know, like I said, when you've transformed, when you've transformed yourself and you're vibrating at your proper frequency and you have more empathy, uh, you know, the ideas that are going to come to you, the concepts that you're going to be open to are, are going to be probably clear, but they're also going to be, you're going to be okay with them. And, you know, you think about all these businesses that now exist that we take for granted, like Uber, or Airbnb, okay. you know, it's like, if I had told you five years ago, oh yeah, you're going to be renting out your apartment to people. Right. Like, <laughs> zero, zero right. percent chance. Right, you know? right. Now we accept it as, you know, part of our lives. So that person that had that concept had to be vibrating at their frequency where when everybody comes at them and go, you know, or the scooter company that when the lawyers are sitting there in the meeting and they go, you can't do it. People are going to die. And they're like, well, you know, <laughs> I know that you, you're saying that, and that's probably is unfortunately true in some few cases, but doesn't mean this isn't going to happen. And I think to have that level of vision and, you know, just conviction, like how are you going to get that unless you're vibrating at your own frequency? Totally, and, yeah. You know, the people who've done plant medicine, who've had that breakthrough, they are vibrating there and they do have that confidence and, you know, they, they can do anything because, uh, nobody can knock them off of what they want, even if it sounds quasi insane yep. to everybody right. else. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Definitely. Yeah, we're actually going back and doing ayahuasca again yeah. in April. So yeah. just a couple months. Wow. Nice. Yeah. And uh, and so tell me where you guys are based again. We're in Austin, Texas. Okay. All right. Cool. And if you're ever in Austin, let us know. We got the best. We'll take you to the best coffee houses and all over. Just let us yeah, know. Austin's <laughs> great. Surely you've been here, right? Yes, I've been. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm think I'm coming back relatively soon, but I will say this. I would love to get you guys treated with ketamine. And I say that because uh -huh. um, beyond just the fact that you, you know, can handle it and you have influencers and so forth that I think, you know, it's a yin yang to plant medicine. So it's kind of like what you get from plant medicine, which is beautiful. When you put that together with what you get from the ketamine, it's kind of like it, it completes somehow, you know, the puzzle. And I kind of think a lot of people who, you know, have uh, a lot of ayahuasca experiences, uh, you know, I, I want them to do the ketamine because it's like that yin yang is going to do something for your, your, your ketamine experience, your ayahuasca experience, plus your meditation practice, plus you're just walking around in society and just being like a really, you know, again, that frequency being very rooted and nobody oh. able to push you off that. So you're so, so kind. Yeah. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Yeah, this I is my world. Really... She, she's, we've got about 70% healing. I would say the yeah. first time. Oh yeah. So, yeah, it was an intense, wow. I mean, it was like an exorcism. So much trauma. I thought I was dying. So much trauma as a child, so much trauma. Yeah, a lot of trauma. A lot of it was suppressed, so it was just mm -hmm. life-changing. But like, life I mean, the PTSD is gone. Yeah. It's wow. gone. 
Yeah. Yeah, and and the the darkness. There was such dark. Not like I was a mean person. There was just like just from all the trauma. But it's it was lifted out of me, and yeah. I felt it leave me. It was like watching an exorcism. It, it was. was. Um, no one else in the ceremony had an experience like the, the I. Shaman did. even brought her to the middle and did a specific yeah. healing ceremony on wow. her in front of everyone. It was. But I've been a completely different person since. Wow. And have you have you guys ever had the experience with San Pedro? I've no, done it. Want I, want want I want to. I want yeah. to. Yeah. yeah, it's on the list. Yeah, yeah, that one's another one where I think, like, what I've noticed about it is, you know, in in Western society, people have become de detached from nature. You yeah, know, they never put their feet on the grass. So grounding. The we do grounding walks every yeah. morning. Got yeah. to man. Most people never do, and so they become. Oh, we get weird looks. <laughs> yeah, and the San Pedro, it's like it puts you right into nature it's like so fast and all of a sudden you're just aligned with nature and then you come out of that and you have this alignment with nature and i think like that's something that we as a society are suffering from is just detaching yeah. and wow here's this you know and the you know ayahuasca san pedro ibogaine it's like if this san pedro can connect you to nature uh the ayahuasca can connect you to feminine creative energy and yeah. ibogaine if needed can bring you back to your original frequency your wow, original wow. physicalness um we got everything we need it's so it's so know. hopeful you know you just need one big healing center yeah is what yeah. we need that so offers everything has everything <laughs> yeah. put it on the vision board put it on the vision yeah. board Life goal. Yeah. It's, it, i mean it really needs to happen like because like i said you, you know there's there's got to be a place where people can come and do these transformative catalysts where there's going to be non-judgment yes. it's not going to be you know problems with you know race or gender yes. or these things it's just going to be you know people who want to who've had the experience who want to help others pure and, empathy right and get that empathy, empathy. And, <laughs> and if you can do you know if society can have las vegas where you can you know gamble and sex and drugs and what you know you have to be have another place that is, you know, the counterbalance of that. If you're going to well, that's our like out. ultimate goal. We don't have like an exact vision yet, but we know that like we do want to have a retreat center or maybe multiple retreat centers. But like we're still trying to figure out what that looks like. Right now, we're just kind of going with the flow. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, we got to get you ketamine experience. Yes. So yes. That you have that, and then. I'm really curious you. what your next ayahuasca is going to be like. Me too. Well, you, know. you know, that is like, it's never what you think it's going to be or exactly what you want it to be. Yeah. Exactly <laughs> Always what you, what you need. Right. Right. Man, it has been so cool talking to you, yes. man. I can, yes. you guys I, mean, too. I, I truly appreciate you making time for us and chatting sure. with us on here. Um, before we get off is, I know we'll add, if there's a, that fund, we'll be happy to post that on all of our links too. Is there anything else you're working on that you want to mention or talk about or where they can find you? Um, yeah. So, you know, the ketamine fund is a place that we're accepting donations. Cool. You know, we've been, you know, trying to get as many people treated as we can, but you know, it's going to take a lot of people. It's going to take a lot of money because, you know, you have, uh, basically, you know, 120 people a day killing themselves, that's 45,000 people a year, you know, around them, there's 20 people like that are that are active, that's a million people. So if we can do ketamine on a million people have those resources, you know, that's where uh, suicides down 75%. Wow. So that's, 
you know, an important check out ketaminefund.org. You can see okay. some of the veterans that we've treated, amazing testimonials. And um, you know, I just want to say, I don't have a website for this, but I just want to put this in the consciousness is yeah. um, now trying to, you know, think about what I'm doing and how I'm doing it for whether it's celebrities or countries or that kind of thing. I'm kind of coining a term that I'm calling like psychedelic concierge and like a psychedelic that. yeah psychedelic concierge is kind of like a concierge in a hotel you come up to them and you say hey you know what i want to go to dinner tonight and where, where should we go and they ask you a series of questions they say oh you know what kind of food do you like do you want a lot of atmosphere would you like to have some music with dinner um you know do you like a view all this kind of stuff and then they go aha okay you're gonna go here so a psychedelic concierge doesn't provide the medicine or anything like that. Again, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a shaman, but the concierge, what they do is they say, okay, they talk to you and say, ah, this person seems like they're disconnected from nature. Let me do this. Let me triage them with ketamine. Let me get them to a San Pedro ceremony. Let's get them doing some transformational breath. And that formula that each person has is unique to them, That's but awesome. ultimately that formula is gonna, you know, be incredible in somebody's life that is yeah. a oh universe, like gosh, a world game changer, idea man. that's awesome love it that's awesome right. well how do we can support you man you just you just say the word thank you so much for being here with us too uh thank the, you so much yeah the last thing we always ask everyone that's on here last question uh if you could leave the world with one message what would it be probably trust nature okay i love that i love that uh, i love it yeah Awesome. And if, we, if people can do that, I think, you know, we can really get to that critical mass really quick. The empathy level will be high and every problem we have is just, uh, it's a very easy and all of them, they're not even problems. They're really opportunities. So trust nature. They're opportunities. Man, I love it. Uh, thanks so much for being on here, yeah, Zephy. You are the man. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Love you. Yes. Take have care. a great one, brother. You too. Bye-bye.